Book Two, Canto One of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thomas Copeland. The Second Book of the Fairy Queen, containing the legend of Sir Guyon, or of Temperance. Right well I wot, most mighty sovereign that all this famous antique history of some the abundance of an idle brain will judge it be and painted forgery rather than matter of just memory sith none that breathed living air does know where is that happy land of fairy which i so much do vaunt yet nowhere show but vouch antiquities which nobody can know but let that man with better sense advise that of the world least part to us is read and daily how through hardy enterprise many great regions are discovered which to late age were never mentioned whoever heard of the indian peru or who inventress vessel measured the amazon huge river now found true or fruitfullest virginia who did ever view yet all these were when no man did them know yet have from wisest ages hidden been and later times things more unknown shall show why then should witless man so much misween that nothing is but that which he hath seen? What if within the moon's fair shining sphere, what if in every other star unseen of other worlds he happily should hear? He wonder would much more, yet such to some appear. Of Fairyland, yet if he more inquire, by certain signs here set in sundry place he may it find. Now let him then admire, but yield his sense to be too blunt and base, that note without an hound fine footing trace. And thou, O fairest princess under sky, in this fair mirror mayst behold thy face, and thine own realms in lawned a fairy, and in this antique image thy great ancestry. The which, O oh, pardon me thus to enfold in covert veil and wrap in shadow's light, that feeble eyes your glory may behold, which else could not endure those beamers bright, but would be dazzled with exceeding light. O oh, pardon, and vouchsafe with patient ear the brave adventures of this fairy knight, the good Sir Guyon, graciously to hear, in whom great rule of temperance goodly doth appear. Canto One, Guyon, by Archimage abused, the Red Cross Knight awaits, finds mordant and amavia slain with pleasure's poisoned baits that cunning architect of cankered guile whom princes late displeasure left in bands for falsed letters and suborned wile soon as the red cross knight he understands to be departed out of eden lands to serve again his sovereign elfin queen his arts he moves and out of caitiff's hands himself he frees by secret means unseen his shackles empty left himself escaped clean and forth he fares full of malicious mind to work in mischief and avenging woe wherever he that godly knight may find his only heart sore and his only foe sith una now he all gates must forego whom his victorious hands did erst restore to native crown and kingdom late ago, where she enjoys sure peace for evermore, as weather-beaten ship arrived on happy shore. Him, therefore, now the object of his spite and deadly food he makes, him to offend, by forged treason or by open fight he seeks. 
of all his drift the aimed end there too his subtle engines he does bend his practic wit and his fair filed tongue with thousand other slights for well he kenned his credit now in doubtful balance hung for hardly could be hurt who was already stung still as he went he crafty stales did lay with cunning trains him to entrap unwares and privy spiles placed in all his way to weet what course he takes and how he fares to catch him at advantage in his snares but now so wise and wary was the knight by trial of his former harms and cares that he descried and shunned still his slight the fish that once was caught new bait will hardly bite Nathless than Chanter would not spare his pain in hope to win occasion to his will, which, when he long awaited had in vain, he changed his mind from one to other ill, for to all good he enemy was still. Upon the way him fortunate to meet, there marching underneath a shady hill, a goodly knight all armed in harness meet, that from his head no place appeared to his feet his carriage was full comely and upright his countenance demure and temperate but yet so stern and terrible in sight that cheered his friends and did his foes a mate he was an elfin born of noble state and mickle worship in his native land well could he tourney and enlists debate and knighthood took of good sir huon's hand when with king oberon he came to fairyland him also accompanied upon the way a comely palmer clad in black attire of ripest years and hairs all hoary gray that with a staff his feeble steps did stire lest his long way his aged limbs should tire and if by looks one may the mind to read he seemed to be a sage and sober sire and ever with slow pace the knight did lead who taught his trampling steed with equal steps to tread such when as archimago did them view he weened well to work some uncouth while eftsoons untwisting his deceitful clue he gan to weave a web of wicked guile and with fair countenance and flattering style to them approaching thus the knight bespake fair son of mars that seek with warlike spoil and great achievements great yourself to make vouchsafe to stay your steed for humble miser's sake he stayed his steed for humble miser's sake and bade tell on the tenor of his plaint who feigning then in every limb to quake through inward fear and seeming pale and faint with piteous moan his piercing speech gan paint dear lady how shall i declare thy case whom late i left in languorous constraint would god thyself now present were in place to tell this rueful tale thy sight could win thee grace or rather would oh would it so had chanced that you most noble sir had present been when that lewd ribald with vile lust advanced laid first his filthy hand on virgin clean to spoil her dainty corpse so fair and sheen as on the earth great mother of us all with living eye more fair was never seen of chastity and honour virginal witness ye heavens whom she in vain to help did call how may it be said then the knight half wroth that knight should knighthood ever so have shent 
none but that saw quoth he would ween for troth how shamefully that maid he did torment her looser golden locks he rudely rent and drew her on the ground and his sharp sword against her snowy breast he fiercely bent and threatened death with many a bloody word tongue hates to tell the rest that i to see abhorred therewith a moved from his sober mood and lives he yet said he that wrought this act and done the heavens afford him vital food he lives quoth he and boasteth of the fact nay yet hath any knight his courage cracked where may that treacher then said he be found or by what means may i his footing tracked that shall i show said he as sure as hound the stricken deer doth challenge by the bleeding wound he stayed not longer talk but with fierce ire and zealous haste away is quickly gone to seek that night where him that crafty squire supposed to be they do arrive anon where sate a gentle lady all alone with garments rent and hair dishevelled wringing her hands and making piteous moan her swollen eyes were much disfigured and her fair face with tears was foully blubbered the knight approaching nigh thus to her said fair lady through foul sorrow ill bedight great pity is to see you thus dismayed and mar the blossom of your beauty bright for thee appease your grief and heavy plight and tell the cause of your conceived pain for if he live that hath you done despite he shall you do due recompense again or else his wrong with greater puissance maintain which when she heard as in despiteful wise she wilfully her sorrow did augment and offered hope of comfort did despise her golden locks most cruelly she rent and scratched her face with ghastly dreariment ne would she speak ne see ne yet be seen but hid her visage and her head down bent either for grievous shame or for great teen as if her heart with sorrow had transfixed been till her that squire bespake madame my leaf for god's dear love be not so wilful bent but do vouchsafe now to receive relief the which good fortune doth to you present for what boots it to weep and to weigh meant when ill is chanced but doth the ill increase and the weak mind with double woe torment when she her squire heard speak she gan appease her voluntary pain and feel some secret ease left soon she said ah gentle trusty squire what comfort can i woeful wretch conceive or why should ever i henceforth desire to see fair heaven's face and life not leave sith that false traitor did my honour reeve false traitor certes said the fairy knight i read the man that ever would deceive a gentle lady or her wrong through might death were too little pain for such a foul despite now fair lady comfort do you make and read who hath ye wrought this shameful plight that short revenge the man may overtake where so he be and soon upon him light certes said she i wot not how he hight but under him a grey steed did he wield whose sides with dappled circles were indite upright he rode and in his silver shield he bore a bloody cross that quartered all the field now by my head said guyon much i muse how that same knight should do so foul amiss or ever gentle damsel so abuse 
for may I boldly say, he surely is a right good knight and true of word, wis. I present was and can it witness well when arms he swore, and straight did enterprise the adventure of the errant damosel, in which he hath great glory won, as I hear tell. Natheless, he shortly shall again be tried, and fairly quit him of the imputed blame, else be ye sure he dearly shall abide, or make you good amendment for the same. All wrongs have mends, but no amends of shame. Now, therefore, lady, rise out of your pain, and see the salving of your blotted name, for loath she seemed thereto, but yet did feign, for she was inly glad her purpose so to gain. Her purpose was not such as she did feign, nor yet her person such as it was seen, but under simple show and semblant plain lurked false duessa secretly unseen, as a chaste virgin that wrong had been. So had false Archimago her disguised, to cloak her guile with sorrow and sad teen, and eke himself had craftily devised to be her squire, and do her service well aguised. Her late, forlorn and naked, he had found where she did wander in waste wilderness, lurking in rocks and caves far underground, and with green moss covering her nakedness, to hide her shame and loathly filthiness, sith her Prince Arthur of proud ornaments and borrowed beauty spoiled. Her, natheless, the enchanter finding fit for his intents, did thus revest and decked with new habiliments for all he did was to deceive good knights, and draw them from pursuit of praise and fame, to slug in sloth and sensual delights, and end their days with irrenowned shame. And now exceeding grief him overcame to see the red cross thus advanced high. Therefore this crafty engine he did frame against his praise to stir up enmity of such as virtues like mote unto him a lie. So now he Guyan guides an uncouth way through woods and mountains, till they came at last into a pleasant dale that lowly lay betwixt two hills, whose high heads overplaced the valley did with cool shade overcast. Through midst thereof a little river rolled, by which there sate a knight with helm unlaced, himself refreshing with the liquid cold, after his travel long and labors manifold lo yonder he cried archimage aloud that wrought the shameful fact which i did show and now he doth himself in secret shroud to fly the vengeance of his outraged due but vain for ye shall dearly do him rue so god ye speed and send you good success which we far off will here abide to view so they him left inflamed with wrathfulness that straight against that knight his spear he did address who, seeing him from far so fierce to prick, his warlike arms about him gan embrace, and in the rest his ready spear did stick, though when as still he saw him towards pace, he gan rencounter him in equal race. They been met, both ready to a frap, when suddenly that warrior gan abase his threatening spear, as if some new mishap had him betid, or hidden danger did entrap, and cried, Mercy, sir knight, and mercy, lord, for mine offence and heedless hardiment, that had almost committed crime abhorred, and with reproachful shame mine honour shent, whilst cursed steel against that badge I bent, the sacred badge of my Redeemer's death, which on your shield is set for ornament. But his fierce foe, his steed, could stay aneath, who pricked with courage keen, did cruel battle breathe. 
But when he heard him speak, straightway he knew his error, and himself inclining, said, Ah, dear Sir Guyon, well becometh you, but me behoveth rather to abrade, whose hasty hand so far from reason strayed, that almost it did heinous violence on that fair image of that heavenly maid, that decks and arms your shield with fair defence, your curtsy takes on you another's due offence. So been they both at one, and done uprear their beavers bright, each other for to greet. Goodly comportance each to other bear, and entertain themselves with curtsies meet. Then said the Red Cross Knight, Now mote I weet, Sir Guyon, why with so fierce salience and fell intent ye did at erst me meet? For sith I know your goodly governance, great cause I ween you guided, or some uncouth chance. Certes, said he, well mote I shame to tell the fond and cheason that me hither led, a false, infamous fater late befell me for to meet, that seemed ill bestead and plained of grievous outrage which he read a knight had wrought against a lady gent, which to avenge he to this place me led, where you he made the mark of his intent, and now is fled. Foul shame him follow where he went. So can he turn his earnest unto game, through goodly handling and wise temperance. By this his aged guide in presence came, who, soon as on that night his eye did glance, eftsoons of him had perfect cognizance. Sith him in fairy court he late advised, and said, Fair son, God give you happy chance, and that dear cross upon your shield devised, wherewith above all knights ye goodly seem aguised. Joy may you have, and everlasting fame, of late most hard achievement by you done, for which enrolled is your glorious name in heavenly registers above the sun, where you a saint with saints your seat have won. But wretched we, where ye have left your mark, must now anew begin like race to run. God guide ye, Guyon, well to end thy walk, and to the wished haven bring thy weary bark. Palmer, him answered the Red Cross Knight, his be the praise that this achievement wrought, who made my hand the organ of his might. More than good will to me attribute not, for all I did I did but as I ought. But you, fair sir, whose pageant next ensues, well mote ye thee, as well can wish your thought, that home ye may report thrice happy news, for well ye worthy been for worth and gentle thews. So courteous Congee both did give and take, with right hands plighted pledges of good will. Then Guyon forward gan his voyage make with his black palmer, that him guided still. Still he him guided over dale and hill, and with his steedy staff did point his way, his race with reason, and with words his will. From foul intemperance he oft did stay, and suffered not in wrath his hasty steps to stray. In this fair wise they travelled long a fear, through many hard assays which did betide, of which he honour still awaited bare, and spread his glory through all countries wide. At last, as chanced them by a forest side to pass, for succour from the scorching ray, they heard a rueful voice that dernly cried with piercing shrieks and many a doleful lay, which to attend while their forward steps they stay. But if the careless heavens, quoth she, despise the doom of just revenge, and take delight to see sad pageants of men's miseries, as bound by them to live in lives despite, 
yet can they not warn death from wretched wight come then come soon come sweetest death to me and take away this long lent loathed light sharp be thy wounds but sweet the medicines be that long captived souls from weary thraldom free but thou sweet babe whom frowning froward fate hath made sad witness of thy father's fall sith heaven thee deigns to hold in living state long mayst thou live and better thrive withal than to thy luckless parents did befall live thou and to thy mother dead attest that clear she died from blemish criminal thy little hands imbrued in bleeding breast lo i for pledges leave so give me leave to rest with that a deadly shriek she forth did throw that through the wood re-echoed again and after gave a groan so deep and low that seemed her tender heart was rent in twain or thrilled with point of thorough piercing pain as gentle hind who sides with cruel steel through launched forth her bleeding life does reign whiles the sad pang approaching she doth feel brays out her latest breath and up her eyes doth seal which when that warrior heard dismounting straight from his tall steed he rushed into the thick and soon arrived where that sad portrait of death and labor lay half dead half quick in whose white alabaster breast did stick a cruel knife that made a grisly wound from which forth gushed a stream of gore blood thick that all her goodly garments stained around and into a deep sanguine died the grassy ground pitiful spectacle of deadly smart beside a bubbling fountain low she lay which she increased with her bleeding heart and the clean waves with purple gore did ray all's in her lap a lovely babe did play his cruel sport instead of sorrow due for in her streaming blood he did embay his little hands and tender joints imbrue pitiful spectacle as ever i did view besides them both upon the soiled grass the dead course of an armed knight was spread whose armor all with blood besprinkled was his ruddy lips did smile and rosy red did paint his cheerful cheeks yet being dead seemed to have been a goodly personage now in his freshest flower of lusty head fit to inflame fair lady with love's rage but that fierce fate did crop the blossom of his age whom when the good sir Guyan did behold his heart can wax as stark as marble stone and his fresh blood did freeze with fearful cold that all his senses seemed bereft atone at last his mighty ghost gan deep to groan as lion grudging in his great disdain mourns inwardly and makes to himself moan till ruth and frail affection did constrain his stout courage to stoop and show his inward pain out of her gored wound the cruel steel he lightly snatched and did the floodgate stop with his fair garment then gan softly feel her feeble pulse to prove if any drop of living blood yet in her veins did hop which when he felt to move he hoped fair to call back life to her forsaken shop so well he did her deadly wounds repair that at the last she gan to breathe out living air 
which he perceiving greatly gan rejoice and goodly counsel that for wounded heart is meetest medicine tempered with sweet voice ay me dear lady which the image art of rueful pity and impatient smart what direful chance armed with revenging fate or cursed hand hath played this cruel part thus foul to hasten your untimely date speak o oh dear lady speak help never comes too late therewith her dim eyelids she up gan rear on which the dreary death did sit as sad as lump of lead and made dark clouds appear but when as him all in bright armor clad before her standing she espied had as one out of a deadly dream affright she weakly started yet she nothing drad straight down again herself in great despite she groveling through to ground as hating life and light the gentle knight her soon with careful pain uplifted light and softly did uphold thrice he arreared and thrice she sunk again till he his arms about her sides can fold and to her said yet if the stony cold have not all seized on your frozen heart let one word fall that may your grief unfold and tell the secret of your mortal smart he oft finds present help who does his grief impart then casting up a deadly look full low she sight from bottom of her wounded breast and after many bitter throbs did throw with lips full pale and faltering tongue oppressed these words she breathed forth from riven chest leave ah leave off whatever white thou be to let a weary wretch from her due rest and trouble dying souls tranquillity take not away now got which none would give to me ah far be it said he dear dame from me to hinder soul from her desired rest or hold sad life in long captivity for all i seek is but to have redressed the bitter pangs that doth your heart infest tell then old lady tell what fatal brief hath with so huge misfortune you oppressed that i may cast to compass your relief or die with you in sorrow and partake your grief with feeble hands then stretched forth on high as heaven accusing guilty of her death and with dry drops congealed in her eye in these sad words she spent her utmost breath hear then o man the sorrows that uneath my tongue can tell so far as sense they pass lo this dead corpse that lies here underneath the gentlest knight that ever on green grass gay steed with spurs did prick the good sir mordant was was i the while that he is not so now my lord my love my dear lord my dear love so long as heavens just with equal brow vouchsafed to behold us from above one day when him high courage did move as once ye knights to seek adventures wild he pricked forth his puissant force to prove me then he left enwombed of this child this luckless child whom thus ye see with blood defiled him fortunate hard fortune ye may guess to come where vile acrasia does one acrasia a false enchantress that many errant knights hath foul for done within a wandering island 
that doth run and stray in perilous gulf her dwelling is fair sir if ever there ye travel shun the cursed land where many wend amiss and know it by the name it height the bower of bliss her bliss is all in pleasure and delight wherewith she makes her lovers drunken mad and then with words and weeds of wondrous might on them she works her will to uses bad my liefest lord she thus beguiled had for he was flesh all flesh doth frailty breed whom when i heard to been so ill bestad weak wretch i wrapped myself in palmer's weed and cast to seek him forth through danger and great dread now had fair cynthia by even turns full measured three quarters of her year and thrice three times had filled her crooked horns when as my womb her burden would forbear and bade me call lucina to me near lucina came a man-child forth i brought the woods the nymphs my bowers my midwives were hard help at need so dear thee babe i bought yet not too dear i deemed while so my dear i sought him so i sought and so at last i found where him that witch had thralled to her will in chains of lust and lewd desires abound and so transformed from his former skill that me he knew not neither his own ill till through wise handling and fair governance i him recured to a better will purged from drugs of foul intemperance then means i gan devise for his deliverance which when the vile enchantress perceived how that my lord from her i would reprive with cup thus charmed him parting she deceived sad verse give death to him that death does give and loss of love to her that loves to live so soon as bacchus with the nymph does link so parted we and on our journey drive till coming to this well he stooped to drink the charm fulfilled dead suddenly he down did sink which when i wretch not one word more she said but breaking off the end for want of breath and sliding soft as down to sleep her laid and ended all her woe in quiet death that seeing good sir guyon could aneath from tears abstain for grief his heart did great and from so heavy sight his head did wreath accusing fortune and to cruel fate which plunged had fair lady in so wretched state then turning to his palmer said old sire behold the image of mortality and feeble nature clothed with fleshly tire when raging passion with fierce tyranny robs reason of her due regality and makes its servant to her basest part the strong it weakens with infirmity and with bold fury arms the weakest heart the strong through pleasure soonest falls the weak through smart but temperance said he with golden squire betwixt them both can measure out a mean neither to melt in pleasure's hot desire nor fry in heartless grief and doleful teen thrice happy man who fares them both atween but sith this wretched woman overcome of anguish rather than of crime hath been reserve her cause to her eternal doom 
and in the mean vouchsafe her honorable tomb. Palmer, quoth he, death is an equal doom to good and bad, the common inn of rest. But after death the trial is to come, when best shall be to them that lived best. But both alike, when death hath both suppressed, religious reverence doth burial teem, which whoso wants, wants so much of his rest. For all so great shame after death I ween, as self to die in bad, unburied bad to be. So both agree their bodies to engrave, the great earth's womb they open to the sky, and with sad cypress seemly it embrave. Then, covering with a clod their closed eye, they lay therein those courses tenderly, and bid them sleep in everlasting peace. But ere they did their utmost obsequy, Sir Guyon, more affection to increase, benempt a sacred vow which none could a release. The dead knight's sword out of his sheath he drew, with which he cut a lock of all their hair, which, meddling with their blood and earth, he threw into the grave, and gan devoutly swear, Such and such evil God on Guyon rear, and worse and worse, young orphan, be thy pain, if I or thou due vengeance to forbear, till guilty blood her guerdon to obtain. So shedding many tears, they closed the earth again. End of Book Two, Canto One. Recording by Thomas Copeland.